Hi, this is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. We're two teachers talking. Tony and I talk about education in Japan, teaching in universities, and the general ups and downs of what it means to be an educator. And this is episode 111. And before we begin, we would just like to ask a favor from our listeners, because in our attempt to be more professional and do what other prof- or do what professional podcasts do, we're not professional, is to ask people if you wouldn't mind leaving a comment. On iTunes about our cast so that people can get a better idea and see if it's something they'd be interested in listening to. And if you could do that, we'd really appreciate it. And so, without further ado, let's get into our topic today, Tony, which is working with identifying, finding, dealing with, interacting, engaging gifted students. And that gifted, I think, is maybe something we might want to start with a definition. So, when somebody turns to you, Tony, and says, you know,、um, do you have any gifted students? Well, how would you answer that? Well, I would always say yes, <laughs> because I, <laughs> cause I, as I, I, yes. I, I teach one of the universities where I teach that the, the, all the little suckers are gifted. <laughs> They're a very intimidating group. But、um, that must again, be a great feeling. It's all relative, right? It's the size of the pond and everything else. But. You know, you're talking about something, something that's gifted relatively to the rest of, relative to the rest of the class, right? And a student reaches out, or you, you observe something, and the evidence is there. It's like, well, this kid, he or she is just not somehow like the others. And, and、um, yeah, there's a genius in this classroom, and it's not me.、Um, it's. A, a lot of different, you ask to the definition, it's very hard to do because it never manifests in the same way.、Uh, sometimes it's、uh, from the student himself or herself. And we've both had this experience when we get to the specifics about you know, expressing their displeasure with the lower, low level of the rest of the class.、Um, sometimes the, the, the student is not unhappy at all, but you just realize that, you know, He or she is just operating at a much higher level than the rest of the class. And they laugh at all the jokes. They, you witness them explaining things to other students and so forth.、Um, there's all different kinds of ways. And I think, <clears throat> in fact, in, in one of my classes, this, this is starting to get a little bit specific.、Um, they have,、um, it's.、Um, A school system where they have like the feeder schools, where it's it's a it's a women's university, and they have a women's. It goes all the way down. There's an elementary school which is co-ed, and then there's a junior high school for women, and a high school for women, and a women's university. And they have a program where some of the、um, more advanced high school students can sit in on the university classes. And so each year in one of my classes, I have two or three high school students. Uh, in my first year university classes. And without exception, they are operating at a much higher level than any of the university students. Also, interestingly enough, they're also, <laughs> to my observation, <laughs> are more mature <laughs> than my university students. And, and certainly, without question, way more earnest and hardworking.、Um, so that's always.、Um, A challenge for me because the two or the three that are in the class are in level way above everybody else, and they're really interested in learning, which is not the case in the class that they've been put into. And that's always the case. So, yes, do I ever have this? Yes, I have it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was listening and thinking about all the different ways that students. Could be gifted, or how I would define gifted.、Mm. And you're right that it never ever appears in the same way.、Mm. And, and the different way that gifted students, at least the ones I've identified, because we get into the problem of known knowns and unknown knowns and unknown unknowns. I mean, the, first off, there's the gifted student that、um, you can identify because they're engaging with you. Right.、Mm-hmm. I guess you say the, that wonderful metric of do they laugh at all your jokes?、Mm-hmm. And especially they laugh at the jokes that don't sound funny and that you give no indication that you've told a joke. Right. Right. It's not the one where, like, okay, that was funny. I think I'll laugh at that myself. But there's that. So there's the ones you can identify. 
Then there are the gifted students. This is the one that is always difficult for me, is are the gifted students I've missed that um, did not give any indication they were gifted to me. Or, and that's not because they weren't signaling it. It's just I was probably not aware or sensitive enough. Then there's the gifted student who's bored out of their mind. Mm-hmm. And as you say, is upset that the other students are not serious or running at the same level. And they'll and, and they then, will man they will they react to that in in way different ways. I mean, they'll, yes. sometimes they'll be very direct about it. Sometimes it'll manifest. You just think the person's a jerk, but where in mm-hmm. fact they're just bored and angry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have to keep working on is that. I, it takes me a while to realize they're not angry with me. But that's where the anger is getting directed or is obvious, right? Is that I can see they're angry. But you're right, they're angry with the other students for not being at a higher level. And then there's that last group, which are the gifted students I probably have no idea that are gifted because they've given no indication. But what I mean by gifted in this situation I think, are the students whose language skills, language abilities, far exceed what we usually would expect in a class, even from a high-level performing student. And when we talk about the gifted student in English, I think what we're both talking about the same thing, which is it doesn't have to be somebody who just seems to have you know, been wired for language. We're talking, it could be somebody who's actually worked pretty hard, but they are just way beyond where other students are at. And because of that work, their ability to deal with the tasks and the requirements of a class are way beyond the other students. And then, of course, there's, as you say, there's the genius in the class and it's not me. When you have those special students, those learners who are just obviously you know, put together, their brains are put together in a really interesting way, and they're far ahead of everybody else, and you can say one thing and they get it. So, yeah, those are the different manifestations. I mean, we can get the basic definition, but you're right that it's just going to be so varied and so different. And how should we approach it then? How can we make it more practical? Do you think we should maybe share some stories of how we've dealt with the different kinds of gifted students? Yeah. Or Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Okay, what's your best story, Tony? <laughs> My best story. Or what's the one you think that's, or, okay, which, let's pick a certain kind of gifted student. Which one should we start with? Should we start with the one that is helping other students we can identify, we can easily see? Well, let me go with the safe one. And I, I, and I don't know how common this might be, but at one of my universities, it's not um, unusual for me to have foreign students, uh, generally from Europe or Eastern Europe. So I've had students from Scandinavia, from Russia, uh, Poland, and um, countries where English study is common. In a different way. In a different way. And so they, so they, in fact, are, you know, even though English is not their first language, their English level is pretty high. And because they're... Not from Japan. They and you know they're paying this huge investment to come to Japan to study. You know, almost by definition, they're a lot more uh, committed to their their studies and much more serious about it. And I, I always offer them the option. And we, we 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 talked about this before we started recording. Uh, the option of independent study. They almost always decline. Yes, but not not because not uh, of a desire to like shirk the work, but. Well, I'd like to think. <laughs> that no, it's an easy A. They see it's some value in the class. <laughs> um, but, no, it's um, just an easy, it's an easy 4.0 for, for the grade. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, yeah, but it, it, yeah, they, they, they Which might I be understand. that, but it, but it, but it's not. Um, we talk like, and how you shift the expectations and uh, the, the grading and everything else. But um, they, they, they never do, but. Partly because that those classes um, are already taught at a very high level, and uh, for them, and because uh, it's largely discussion based, uh, and I think they get it. They see really early on after the first couple of classes that um, this is an interesting opportunity to take get a glimpse into the Japanese mind. 
because we're talking about issues, we're talking about values, uh, we're talking about you know personal opinions and how people think, and um, this gives them the opportunity um, to uh, deal with all this in English, which for them is easier than in Japanese. And then with me, they've they've got an, an ally in the classroom, um, so I, I'm always happy when I've got those uh, kids in my class because. Yeah, and and I learn. You know, the great thing is, I learn from them too because they then talk with me, and they explain what things are like in their country. It's like, okay, we talk about you know, whatever kind of specific issue might be in terms of a family or like you know, friend type issues or uh, gender issues, whatever it might be. It's always fascinating to hear what they've got to say because you know, they're not reticent. They're they're very open and they're they're willing to say say, okay, this is. The way we do it, and this is the way we think, and you know, like fantastic insight from, I think, with the the Finland penal system, right? The 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 jailing, the the jail system, the prison system in in Finland contrasted with, uh, contrasted to Japan or the United States, and it's like the information is just fantastic, and they drive the other students. So, for those students in those classrooms. It's a bonus. I don't really need to do much other than, and this is maybe the key for all of them, it's like, where they acknowledge the differences and respect that. And again, different students, different ways. That's easier said than done, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, that's one easy one. What do you mean by differences? In- differences in level, abilities, comprehension. And getting them to recognize that they might be running at a different level than the other students in the class? Well, acknowledge it there because we all know that they are. They know that they are. The other students know that they are. And I know that they are. It's not a small difference. Hmm. And you you need to respect that and you need to, you know, and, and step up the, the challenges for them. It's like, I'll say, yeah, you know, you, you're going to have to perform at a higher level. You should... You need to do this. You, you, not them, you need to do better at this. This is not, this level of work is not enough for you. You need to produce more. And how do they usually respond to that? Positively. They just, they step up. Can you give an example so I can understand it better? I mean, I got, I have the basic idea, but I'm just wondering if you have a concrete example at the tip of, yeah, sure. Um, they for this particular class, they, there are weekly assignments. They need to do extensive preparation for whatever discussion we're doing in class. A part part of the assignment is um, for the students to find a relevant uh, article that you know an article that deals with a particular discussion issue. They have to summarize it and they have to give their own analysis and personal thoughts on it and. With those students, I, they're not going to, for them, like a 600-word article from Japan today is not going to cut it. They're, they're expected to go to the New York Times, Atlantic, uh, something with some meat, and be able to work at it. I'll tell them, this is too simple for you. You need, you need to look, look, look elsewhere. Give me some more meat. Okay, so one real... Uh, um, easy to implement. Well, real easy to implement. One tactic that the teacher can use when they have gifted students, and one that doesn't take a lot of energy, is to require or change the reading assignment. Say, okay, instead of reading something from the Japan Times, I expect you to read an article in the Economist or two articles in the Economist about the issue, and then come back and be prepared to talk about it. Exactly. Would you right. So that's a a. Quick and easy fix. It's an easy fix. Right. So reading-wise, I think, so gifted students, in, let's say, especially in a reading class, easy to for me to modify the course for them. Just have to change the readings, ask them to find their own readings. But in a discussion class, like you're talking about, then what you're suggesting is to make sure that the students, you up the level of their the reading that they're using to prepare for the class, and so they're coming back better prepared with more information and then sharing that with the class. Correct. And then okay, in, in I the, like that. And in the class itself, when they're broken up into groups, because these happen to be large classes, the classes are 40 to 45 students. Pause for effect. Um, 
That's a they're, big class. <laughs> it's a big class. So they're, they're cause divided, for effect. They're, they're <laughs> divided into nine groups and they're, they're set loose. But they're they're good students and they're motivated. So this is possible. Divide them into nine groups, set them off on discussion, and I'm walking around, scoring and listening, and participating as needed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when you you see that you know there's one of these kids in that particular group, stop, and you engage at an appropriate level. And they will, you know, talk, you know, I give them more time to talk with me directly um, at a level that's, that's higher than the rest of the group. But I will listen to what they're saying because they're already, you know, kind of dominating their group and things. But I will kind of simultaneously engage with them at a higher level. But at the same time, kind of, by example, step it down to the level of, of their peers and kind of make that bridge and make it understandable for everybody. So there's the the preparation part, and then there's like the in class part. And then at some point, I'm I'm doing something different this year. Usually, I would like preface the discussions with my spiel. Uh, this year, I'm doing it after the fact to see if that makes a difference. Uh, and in that case, where when I'm you know, talking about the topic with the vocabulary or like expressions that are specific to this particular topic, etymology issues, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I will always throw in something that's I know is more difficult than most of the class can handle, but it's appropriate for them. And I do this for the high school kids too, because the the, the, the class they don't get it, they don't know what I'm saying. Is this? Yeah, but this. And I'll look at them and say, okay. Look at this. This is important. This is how this word is built. This is Greek, and that's why it's the grammar works this way, and the spelling is that way, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, and then go back to the to the middle of the road that is for the students, and maybe that maybe that's something to address too at the very beginning. I think um, for all these cases, I think it what it does it it underscores the need for. Um, at the beginning of the year, and this is one of the hardest things to do, solid needs assessment. Because as you as you intimated, it's so easy for us to miss these guys, girls. There's it's so easy to miss when someone is you know just idling. Everyone else is like they don't understand what you're saying, and they're redlining, and their brains are racing, and they're panicking. And else, and there's someone sitting there with the same expression on their face, and it's like. What the hell am I doing here? And we don't see that all the time, but mm. it's something that we really need to, I think, work hard at. Yes. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so that, that's that's one type, right? Okay. So how about you? And I just want to run with that a little bit more uh, because you've talked about, I think, one of the most difficult situations, which is when you have the gifted kid in a group discussion. And the student is just at a level that's way above even your best native speaker. And I'm thinking, again, similar for students from outside of Japan who come to Japan to study. I had um, an advanced writing class. And the students, I had some returnee students. And I had um, students from Korea and Indonesia, for example. Um, and I had these three students from Korea who just were running at a level that was just amazing. Mm -hmm. And when I talk, mean by amazing, it's not just that their English levels were really good. I mean, these were, I think they spoke Korean, English, Japanese, and Chinese. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and they read and wrote and write, they read and write in all the languages as well, <laughs> which is just like, okay, just leave me alone and make me feel incompetent <laughs> and destroy my sense of self-worth. Um, I'm trying, I need a spell checker in English. <laughs> so I'm having trouble, but what I meant to say is that the level they're running at is a seriousness that they're coming to class far more prepared, let's say, than the other students. And then in the discussions, because they're also more, they have a better level of fluency, they have, let's say, more developed classroom engagement skills, as well as language skills, that they can overtake and overwhelm the other students in a discussion. And that, I think, is a big problem. Yeah, they come from an entirely different educational culture. Right, exactly. Completely different. Yes. Yeah, and it can be very intimidating for the Japanese students. 
Right. You know, the idea of that you come prepared, that you do participate, that you share your opinion, because they're trying to, you know, but what I meant to say is not only they're trying to exhibit that they did the work and that they understand the work, they really want to engage. Yes. They really, and on a level that Japanese students have not been taught to do. And we've talked about the learned dependency issue. And here you have students who do not have learned or dependency. These are really independent learners. So that turns into my biggest problem when I have those students in the class. And the... I guess best way, most efficient way, most effective way, or the only way I've found to deal with this in an acceptable manner is I emphasize that people's jobs in a discussion is to pull other people into the discussion, to get everyone to participate. So I will really speak with the students and say, look, you know, I understand that you have really good language skills, you know, you've read the material, you probably understand it better, but for your future career paths and for a skill that you really would find useful, if you develop this practice, this ability of pulling people's opinions, getting the other members of the group to talk, to facilitate the discussion, that's going to benefit you a lot. So what I've done is instead I've moved it from a content-based level to giving them more of a social kind of job responsibility that gives that they haven't really worked on because as you know as any teacher knows facilitating a discussion is not an easy thing to do and so i found especially that that, in japan <laughs> silence <laughs> silence <laughs> look away avert your eyes <laughs> look down look out the window <laughs> Is this long enough yet? Has the teacher stopped noticing me? That yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if I give them that task, I think that they find that valuable and challenging because sure. it is a difficult thing to do. So that's one way for a teacher to deal with the issue of the gifted student is to not just look at the problem or look at the challenge as a content or material challenge, but look at as what other skills will this student have an opportunity to develop while they're engaging with other students who are not quite at their ability. So I've also said to students, you need to work on becoming more precise. You need to work on simplifying your language, which will be necessary anytime you work because most people don't communicate their ideas clearly. Uh, so there are ways to deal with that, and that's how I deal with it, is help, having them focus on facilitating, pulling people's opinions out, having them practice their open-ended questions, follow-up questions, use of echo questions. And also, if the other students have reasonable levels of language skills and confidence, we work on the devil's advocacy approach, where you start asking difficult questions to help people figure out what they do. Mm. So I just wanted to run with that, that one can not just look at the content, but look at other pragmatic skills, social skills, conversational skills that these students could learn that they would not have an opportunity to hone in another situation. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So we have those students. And then um, what should we do? Should we talk about the gifted student who's just going nuts in the class? Well, yeah, it's kind of like lashing out, right? Angry, you know, the disappointed, angry, because we've both had those. Right? The first year students, they, they, they maybe had aspirations to get into a, a better university than the one that they happen to be in. And, um, you know, whatever the testing proceed, you know, testing, you know, testing. Um, so they are where they are, and they, they, they've, they've begun their classes. And they are very dissatisfied with the with the the classes and and maybe more so their peers and they're angry. They feel like they don't belong there, and they are not happy um, with the uh, attitude, performance, et cetera, et cetera, of their peers. Yeah, I I have um, I've had a student last couple of years. Mm. Who fits that bill exactly? Same student, and number of years. Same student. Well, oh, good. Okay. They were in class for a while, then they weren't, and then I, I have them again. And it's this is an example where I read things wrong, and mm -hmm. you know the student was just had an attitude. 
and I don't know any other way to put it. And the attitude was very difficult for me to handle in class. And actually, the, the student went beyond what I considered acceptable behavior in terms mm. of checking out of a class. And as a student finished the class, I walked out and said, excuse me, we need to talk. And I did this in English because, and I was very upset what they did. Mm. I mean, it was just like, you know, I said, okay, I said, sorry, I've been teaching for 33 years and no one's ever done that. And I don't want to go into the details, but mm. the students said to me, and then started talking back to me, not back to me, responding, replying in really good English. and was not angry with me. They said, look, I'm sorry, this is what, but you could see their face that they were really having a problem dealing with the emotions. And I didn't know how to deal with this student. It was the first week of class. And they were obviously unhappy participating with the other students. They were obviously unhappy being in the class. They obviously were very upset having to do group work. And so I talked to the student afterwards, said, look, I will not accept this behavior. There's a minimum level you have to, you know, you know, be able to follow in my classes. Otherwise, I'm sorry, you just can't be in the class. Talked about it for, or thought about it for the week. Walked into the next class. The student was sitting there. I sat down next to the student. I said, hey, you know, I've really been thinking about this. And would you be happier doing the class independent study? And I don't think I could have pulled that student out of the ceiling faster. This student was jumping up and down. They were so happy. It was truly an amazing thing to see. And I said, okay, here's what I'm thinking about. And this is what I think we might be able to do. And the student agreed to it. And I thought, okay, that's nice. I, I, Yes, I've made the student happy. I've solved the problem because the student was making things uncomfortable for other students. Mm -hmm. That evening, I get an email from the student <laughs> who says, thank you very much. I'm very happy about this. I'm excited. I really appreciate it. All in English, right? That you have done this. And then the student said, okay, th these are the terms of our agreement. <laughs> and the student <laughs> went through and list. Yes, exactly. Said, okay, um, you said this. So if I do this and I meet these requirements, then that will be acceptable. And they went through one, two, three, four, five, all the different things. And I thought to myself, I said, this is the perfect student. This is the perfect student. The student did exactly what I've always wanted students to do, which is to say, you know, professor, after class, we talked about this. I'd like to confirm our discussion. I didn't have to say anything. And it was well-written and expressed th their opinion really clearly. So, you know, I think my 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 reaction to that was, you know, oh gosh, I think I did something right for the first time in five years. It met the needs of the student. The student doesn't like to be social. The student doesn't like group work. They said that very clearly. They feel that they prepare harder. They read more. They know more. Their English levels better than the other students. And why should they have to participate when none of the activities and none of the things that occurs in the classroom is improving their language skills nor imp improving their understanding of the the content. And I had, you know, I can't argue with that. So in that sense, I think the only solution really was to go independent study. Sure, I I agree. And this the and so I meet with the student um, outside of class, and yes, I have to give up time for that. But the benefits are pretty good in terms of the student seems happier. But most importantly, the student isn't having a negative impact on the other students. And I don't think that the student had an awareness, as most students don't, that their behavior really does impact other students. So that's was dealing with the student who I could not find a way to integrate them into the class. Do mm -hmm. you have anybody like that? No, I have not had anybody like that. Um, the, the the cases that started the way that yours did, uh, whatever action I might have taken, you know, discussion of talking with the student resulted in them choosing to remain in the class and you know, doing some kind of extra, you know, uh, just performing it, you know, relative to the rest of the class, a hundred and 
125 or 150 percent. They were willing to do more, and we're happy to hear, uh, you know, my the, the, the appreciate. They were able to appreciate the adjustments that I had done to the class and whatever I'm speaking. Little tidbits aside, okay, this is the main point. It's like okay, and for you guys, there's this plus, and you guys. <laughs> You know who you are. You got it. The rest of you guys are like, what just happened? Don't worry about it. So, no, I've never had to to actually do that. Um, so, no. Okay. Now, this was an interesting example of where I thought the student just had a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's so easy to miss. It's so easy to miss. Well, actually, I wasn't missing it because they do have a bad attitude in the <laughs> sense of, but the cause—it's not right? the attitude that it's not the attitude that I want in the classroom. Yeah, there's just way more going but, on than meets the eye, right? Exactly. And thinking about it, and it really for a week, at least a half hour a day of thinking: How do I integrate this student into the class? How can I adapt the class? Because it's a small class of eleven students. So uh, one and it's a discussion class and it's yeah one it's, out of eleven is a, is, a, is a big percentage that's a big percentage and you could see that the other students were uncomfortable working sure. with the student sure. and I was in this situation of again looking at it and thinking you know I understand being angry in a class I understand being disappointed with what's going on in the classroom as a student. But as a teacher, I look at it and say, no, I'm sorry, you just can't do that in the class. You can't negatively impact how the other students are interacting and really thinking, how do I do this? What do I do? Should I say something to the student? And again, uh, I have the freedom because this is where I work full time, but um, I was able to come up with a a solution that seemed to have had very little downside and, you know, as I say to people, if anybody questions me on this, I say, excuse me, but we're supposed to be dealing with um, differentiated learning. Um, we get these directives all the time that we should be adapting to the needs of our students. We should be innovating. So my attitude is I innovated and I adapted. So tell me what's not good about it. And everybody seems to be happy. But the reason I mention it is not only is a student one of the most interesting students I've ever talked about constantly reading, interested, um, excellent writer. Uh, You know, one of those students who, if you just looked at their attitude, you wouldn't want to talk with them because it's just hard to get past that. But once I started talking to the student, I I was one-on-one. It was a truly engaged mind, somebody who was curious about the world, was interested, and was running at a, a level of curiosity and intellectual engagement quite different from the other students that they were working with. And I was like, you know, okay, I understand how you feel now. I get it. But I mentioned it in the sense that I read it wrong. And now I'm beginning to try to remember that whenever I'm in the classroom and I see a student who's exhibiting similar kinds of behavior, behavioral patterns, or giving me those kinds of expressions, say, well, is the student angry at me? Is the student just have a bad attitude? Or is this maybe a, a student who's bored? And I'm trying to figure out how to approach other students now, how to be better at identifying it and just be more self-aware. But I think providing those kinds of students with independent study, if possible, or even letting them sit in the classroom in the back and say, okay, why don't you read? That's probably going to be the most valuable thing. And then I'll come back you know, during certain times in the class. But that creates kind of weird vibes in the classroom anyhow when you do that. So... That was my solution to a problem that seems to have worked out pretty well. And silence again. It's yeah, I'm, I'm just discussion. thinking. I'm, I'm thinking of like individual students that over over the years and things. And I'm thinking about. I was thinking. I think of many of them, but the one I'll talk about is right now. Um, this was a case that I missed, and um, he was. Uh, I thought he was just just not very engaged, not very interested in the academic end of things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon, you know, first year students come in university, suddenly they're, they're, you know, basking in this incredible freedom that they've never had before. And it's like, and it's natural. And he's just focusing on his, his soccer and everything else. And, um, 
just, you know, and I, I would kind of ride him a little bit because I knew he was, it just didn't seem serious enough relative to the rest of the class. And, um, but there didn't have any really deeper interaction with him. And there was no other clue that there was other things going on. And then he almost failed, I think, one of the semesters. And I think he did fine in the other. And it was like, um, maybe, I don't know, how many years later, two years later, three years later, um, the student contacts me and starts hounding me for a recommendation. And it's like, well, okay, but, you know, your performance in class wasn't that great. And then we started, then we started this extended correspondence and email, and he would come to my, you know, hang around in my class afterwards, and he would walk with me to the train, and we're engaging in a way that we never did in class, and it's like, I get a completely different window on 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 what's going on in this guy's head, and he says, "No," he tells me, "I'm going to be a great man." And he was he was applying graduate school, London School of Economics, and he says, "No, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be somebody." And I'm talking and talking, and it's like, "Okay, all right, all right, okay." You, you, and he and he, was, he was hounded me, <laughs> and his English was fantastic, and his his mental processes were incredible. It's like. Okay, you win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write you your damn letter, and uh, the the letter wrote is like this this uh, Tomo something. I says this this student re- represents one of my great failures. Um, he was in my class and this and that, and I completely missed <laughs> identifying his potential and his interest in his, and I completely botched it. And I you know blah 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 highest recommendation yada yada. Yeah, and he went off to London to be a great man. <laughs> I don't know if he's great yet or not, but that was one of the one of the ones that I completely missed, completely botched, um, and it was a, a very interesting episode. Well, you know that reminds me of always how surprising it can be when you talk to students outside of class mm-hmm. and how different they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one student who really upset me the other day. Just had bad manners, would not say thank you, would not explain things, would not make eye contact with me, would just go, okay, okay, okay. Just really, really bad attitude. And then I re- saw the student in a another part of the campus outside of class. And it was like, hey, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's like their classroom behavior and their outside of classroom behavior is really different. But like... Don't you love it when the student stops you outside of class and then suddenly starts speaking to you in completely fluent English and you have no idea? <laughs> and you're like, "What's? why aren't you doing this in class and helping me bring up the level of the class? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. I like that. He said, I'm going to be a great man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Japanese guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's... Uh... That's a lot of confidence. Yeah, I got I got a lot of good students. <laughs> I got a lot of good students. It's an embarrassment of riches. One of the we talked about the we both talked about the, the foreign students who are in these classes, and um, there was a woman, girl, woman, girl, woman, girl, um, who from Russia, and uh, she was a student in my class. And her at the time, her English was very good. Uh, but it, again, because the classroom behavior is so different from Europeans and than Japanese, so it's like you, it's easy to overestimate the language ability because it's mm. all out there, right? Ah, oh, good point. Good so point. Uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so I didn't know exactly where you know where she was, but just like I, I kind of offered an independent study, but she didn't take it. It's like yeah, good choice. I think you, I think you need this. Um, a little more, a little more English where you're going stuff, and so, yeah. And she just um, contacted me the last two weeks on uh, Facebook, and she's like, "Hey, I just like you know, um, yeah, I, I know, I remember you were from Chicago, um, but I'm going to be, um, I was accepted to the PhD program at Purdue, uh, Japanese studies, and she's got a teaching fellowship. Yeah, okay, good." We did something right. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, it's it's, it's nice yeah. to hear the success stories. Um, yeah, and I, right. And 
when we can identify them and when we hear back and we know that we engaged or interacted with the students in a good way, it's really, really a relief. And it's a wonderful feeling. Mm. Don't you think? Mm. Yeah, no, it's, get, it's, it's, it's why I love the job, right? Yeah, it's when we, it's just, there's. When it works, not, it works. <laughs> oh, man. Well, when it just seems that it, when it works, it's just so much less than when it's not working. Ah, so perspective, those, man, perspective. Right, I know, I know that. I uh, actually, it, it's a little off topic, but the la- this semester, I've actually gotten more positive feedback about things from students and other teachers than I have, I think, in the last five years or oh, ten good years. For you. Good for you, right? So I'm kind of enjoying that, but so it's the gifted students when you engage with them, they really. Um, The only way I can say is I'm always grateful to them, thankful to them, that they're working with me, because it's a a real Uh joy. And the big key here, too, and I think, I don't know really if I'm using gifted in the the right way here. It's hard to define. We never define it, but that's okay. But And I I think I'm talking more about gifted in terms of attitude and engagement. Right, not you know, mental. Well, sure, you know, well, how much well, horsepower? It's a, right, it's, it's a slippery thing to get your hands on. Right, but yeah. it's all part of it. Yeah, I have to teach a, a listening reading class, and it's an advanced class. And, and usually, I offer independent study to the students, and ninety percent of them, ninety-five percent of them, I'm guessing, don't take it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I'm pretty sure that they just say, "Ah, oh, this is just an easy workload, and I can get a S in this class, you know, top score in this class. Why would I not take it?" But I try to offer that to students. Uh, and this one student from China accepted mm. the offer, and they were very grateful. And so I said, okay, what you need to do is you need to do, you need to read this number of words, let's say, per week, and let me know what you're reading. And then every couple of weeks, we'll get together and talk about your reading. Fine. Or it was listening and reading class, so they have to read and they have to listen. So about four days later, after we agree to this, student sends me an email and they've listened to four different TED Talks and they've read like four articles from The Economist. And <laughs> <laughs> they've done more work in a week than, let's say, the stu- <laughs> any of my other students would do in, a, you know what I mean, in yes, like a five-week like five period of yes, time. Yes, I do. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and I'm looking and thinking and they were really really interesting things that was the best part of it i was like oh, i've got to listen to this i've got to read this i've got to le- listen to this and i was so grateful to the student and it's too bad they're not listening because i would just want to say you know say thank you because they turned me on to some really interesting reading and topics that i wouldn't have paid attention to or wouldn't have known about and that was great. And so it was wonderful because I'd, I'd have to prepare to meet the student. I think this, they were kind of like, ha, watch me play with the teacher now. I'll give the teacher extra work here. But it was really interesting. And then this is also, I think, the student was very similar to the student you said who's going to be a great man. The mm. student already had a, like an online teaching business going. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they were working with somebody else and um, – they were just truly, it was a truly amazing person to talk with, learn about, ask questions, have conversations with. I'm just grateful for those students. It really makes a difference. But it was pretty funny. <laughs> just like, you know, the first four days later, okay, this is what I've read. Well, okay, that's half the semester's reading and listening. <laughs> you know, I'd give like one TED Talk a week for mm-hmm. my students. Yeah, sure, wouldn't sure. you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, uh, you, yeah. You wouldn't give two TED Talks. No. I mean, maybe two TED Talks if it had like the transcripts and I was allowing the students to use the transcripts because it's content that I want them to learn. But in a listening class, I would only give one yeah. TED Talk. Yeah, well, they've, says, got, they've got 15, 16 classes. You, you can't. I'm, I'm, I'm not blaming them for it. I'm yeah. not judging it. I'm just trying to say that my limit is one TED Talk yeah. a week. Yeah, reasonable and one right? And one reading task of maybe maximum a thousand words, because I'm trying to be fair given the fact that they have 16 classes a week and they have no homework from the other classes. Mm. <laughs> just, that's part of it. You know, we do have to balance that out a little. But 16 classes a week means that they're in class nine to, you know, four o'clock, four thirty every day. Yeah. Let's right. So that's a lot of a big hit on their time. But I try to give a fair amount. But what I mean is that this student t- gave me four TED talks and four, they did four weeks, five weeks of 
assignments in one week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was great. And then I had to then I had to read the articles and get ready for the talk. So we have those students and the surprising ones, right? It's said, okay, this student is definitely running at a higher level than even for an advanced student class. So and then of course the unknown unknowns, the ones we miss, we just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a, I wonder that's a... I wonder how many of those there are. Well, there was one that just he, he one guy that um I had, I believe he was Chinese. And um just and I learned this at the end of the academic year. And he just it just it just happened to come out again, the discussion and just walking around listening and her just and I can't remember ex- at all what we were talking about, but it just came out and says like, Well, yes, well, I have my own company. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> yeah, like, I do like a little import export thing, and it's like yeah. I said so, and so in my company, I have to do this and that. So this is that's really useful information. I'm going what? <laughs> Go back to the beginning. What did you say? You have your own company? Okay, fine. <laughs> and you know, you know, again, in one of the, in a typical Japanese classroom, everybody else. I mean, there's you know the relative maturity. It's just the, the it's yin and yang. It's wow it's like how the hell did i miss this yeah yeah Yeah, and but he's been laying low just running this company probably in classes like they gave me no indication but he's just doing his due and it's like wow wow i missed that one yeah yeah i had a student similar to that uh in uh another school where I was teaching and it was a writing class. And I think they were a fourth year student and they were just taking the class and uh, they're very quiet in the class and I'm getting their reading and their reading's pretty good. And finally I turned to the student and I said, you know, the writing you're turning in is really excellent. And it would be nice if you maybe participate more during the class, give more input. And they said, okay, fine. And then we started talking a little bit and I said, so what are you interested in? And the person says, oh, I have a job at McKinsey when I graduate or something (laughs) like this. And I said, oh, really? What are you doing? And they said, oh, I'm looking at um, blockchain things. And I said, oh, you're interested in blockchain? (laughs) And they said, yeah, well, I invested in Bitcoin a number of years ago, and I made enough money to pay, and it pays for my (laughs) education. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, you know, why, just get up and teach the class, okay? (laughs) Just... It was amazing. And again, missed it for half the semester. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Here was an interesting person who's running at a level that I, I you know, it's you really high. It. You miss it. Yeah. But, you know, on the opposite side. Okay, good. That's where I was going to go. Okay, about not missing it. And this is the one where I would have missed it if the student hadn't asked a question in class. So I'm teaching this one class. It's um, independent English learning. So we're, our job is to teach students to become independent learners, and students are working in a group. And I've introduced um, the idea of mind mapping, note-taking, right, doing all the usual things. And I have a list of resources available for students so the different kinds of mind maps they can use. So this, we're talking, I said, okay, are there any questions about mind mapping? And the students are working in groups, and um, I just say, are there any questions? The student raises her hand, I go over, and he says, Excuse me, Mr. Was, you know, but I don't know whether or not the um, mind maps you gave us are actually the mind mapping, the links to mind mapping apps are actually mind maps. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't really understand. I know that I gave you one, Prezi, which is more of a presentation thing, but it's based on the kind of mind mapping idea. And so then the student says, well, the other ones, I'm not really sure, you see, because Tony Buzan, who invented mind mapping, wrote in his book. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh crap! <laughs> uh, no, I just was, you know, I've been teaching a really long, not thirty-three years. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I'm not sure exactly when Tony Buzan came out with his ideas of mind mapping. I think it was late seventies, eighties, perhaps. I have never had a single student know who Tony Buzan was. You got it right? Yes, right? absolutely. And I looked at the student and was like, "Okay, well, right. who the hell like, are you? Holy crap! <laughs> well, wh- wh- why are you why are you torturing me this way?" And I said, "Okay, I think you're right, but I think I said you should look at the original idea of mind mapping, and I- these apps are actually how mind mapping has evolved over time. 
how it's changed. If you look at the original ideas of how Tony Bazan talked about his ideas, I said, it was, and we went through and I explained, I said, now there's this notion of mind mapping and we've expanded it to concept mapping, et cetera, et cetera. That evening, email again <laughs> from the student. And the student is um, from, I think, Vietnam. So this is an obviously gifted, gifted young man. Right, right. Um, three languages, right? With three different writing systems. Again, <laughs> and the student was responding and reacting to what I had talked about and said that they hadn't realized how fast things are changing and they had looked and seen the original idea of mind mapping and then went through and looked at students doing this on their own about how mind mapping has changed and that they really appreciated that I had exposed them to this concept about things changing at a really fast rate and that things changing that the person, you know, this young man hadn't assumed would change. You know, they were familiar with technological change, but not the fact that ideas in education would change this way. So that was nice, but that's because the student engaged me. Otherwise, I would have missed it, I think. Mm. Mm. You know, in a group of advanced learners, English language learners with a lot of attorneys, it's easy not to notice, again, the, the gifted student. And I think what we can actually, we're both saying, right, is that the gifted student is the one who's engaged we're talking about gifted engagement maybe or engagingly gifted i don't know how well, we it's a, it's it. a multifaceted set of abilities and and interests and proclivities yes thing, right so just it's not one dimensional at all yeah so what i want to do though is go back to what you talked about with the needs assessment okay right what do you think I could do or other teachers could do to identify those students earlier. Because that's the big mis the, the struggle for me is how do I identify those students? Because you just can't talk to them sometimes. It doesn't come out that way. Do you have any techniques or recommendations for teachers of what they can do in the needs assessment stage? I want I want to do this needs assessment, because I, but I want to throw one thing out maybe before we do that. Please. If that's okay. Oh, sure. Um, uh, this is the case where the student self-identifies as gifted mistakenly. <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at, at, uh, at one of the universities, I had, it just came up in one of the uh, writing assignments, and it, just, it was this venting and discreet about like his dissatisfaction with the level of his peers. And I was, I was like, well, you know, I'm looking at this like, your writing really isn't that much different from the, I didn't say this to him, of course. You know, you okay, you, you might be very serious, but in terms of your abilities, you're kind of right there. You know, maybe at the upper half, but you're not really out of your, you know, you're not really above the rest of them here. And it's like, okay, so that. Is a whole not it's a whole other thing, but it's similar. And so this person thinks, you know, it's the behavior is going to manifest in 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 similar ways. It's like he's he or she feels like um, they're not getting what they need. You know, they're they're not satisfied with what they're getting, and so that takes a whole other level of finesse um, to think. And um, you know, the way, way I deal with it is like, well. Um, ask the the student about expectations. It's like, okay, well, you're not happy. Say, what, 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 what did you expect? What did you think it was going to be like? Uh, I would then also explain about the educational system in Japan, and even students who might be very interested. I don't know what happened to you that you have this hunger for knowledge that's being unsatisfied, but for a lot of people, the system has produced a, a different set of expectations. And maybe follow up by saying, well, you know, don't even, you know, again, you perceive your peers as being inferior to you. It's like, well, you don't necessarily need to be dragged down. The fact that they're not performing it at your level <clears throat> uh, doesn't mean that you can't continue to excel. Uh, and if you feel unsatisfied with your interaction with your peers, um, engage more with your teachers. Um, 
<laughs> and under my breath, say, but be prepared for disappointment <laughs> there too. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So you're not happy with the, the, what's happening in class. Let your teachers, like as you did with me in your written assignment indirectly, let your teachers know that, yeah, you want more or it, that, that you're frustrated, that you need some more. They, they, will, they will give you more. They will, they will feed you. They will give you what you need. Um, as well as, you know, suggest other things. You know, like a lot of universities have English-speaking societies, ESS-type things. They've got English Island or English Cafe-type facilities. There are speech contests. Um, there are essay contests. There's the Model UN. Um, there's the Pecha Kucha uh, presentation-type organizations. Um, there are bigger universities have situations where you can be a volunteer tutor and help people um, who are having trouble with their English. And if your English is good enough, you can teach other people. Like, give them books, suggest books, suggest podcasts, like TED Talks, um, specific books, podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all these other things. It's like, okay, you want more? Here's more. Here, take as much as you want. Um, but in in that case, you know, I will, you know, maybe personally, you know, acknowledge a student, hey, okay, I, I know what you're going through, but there, because the level isn't there, there really doesn't warrant a, a change in the actual content of the class. You're so much nicer than me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those students, the ones who, th- you know, I've actually, I had a student who said that he was a genius. Mm. And I think I told the story that this, uh, uh, it's, I, no, I won't get into the story. It's too, too long. It's too long of a story. But this student was a genius, and I looked at the student. And I actually said, "Look, let me give you three examples of things you've done so far in this class that would indicate <laughs> otherwise." <laughs> right. And I was was not rude about it, but I said, "Look, first you did this, then you did this, and then you did this, and it seemed that everybody else understood." And you didn't, and you claim to be an English genius. So I'm wondering if you're thinking that your writing is really exceptional, or your speaking is exceptional, or your reading is exceptional, because what you've done indicates that your listening is unexceptional. So I've done that. I've also, when I've had students who have indicated to me that they think that they're far smarter than other teachers or other students. And I said, okay, here, um, you've asked, you know, what level do you think your English is? And they say, oh, I'm near native. And I said, okay, here's an article I want you to read. And I'll give them something from edge.org, for example. And I'll say, take a look at this and see if you can handle this. This is what an intelligent person who's reasonably well-read in the liberal arts and the sciences would be able to handle. And often after I do that, the student won't come back to me to talk about the article. <laughs> but I think that if you can do that nicely in a way, of course, we're making a judgment call on the students sure. that they're not. Sure. But I think that every teacher knows what we're talking about, which is a student whose self-assessment is not calibrated correctly to mm-hmm. the indicators they're providing. And I don't know if there's a more polite way of saying <laughs> that. <laughs> Well, that about, that about, that's, I think that's enough said about that. But yeah, okay, like, let's go. You, know, to, you handle it however you handle it, but you don't need to attempt your teaching. But back to but what you were saying. Before like, we go, uh, yeah, but, assessment, but yeah, assessment, needs assessment. Yeah. Right. But before I go to the needs assessment, I do want to toss out that if you do get that student who has uh, an outside sense of self, I think it is our responsibility to provide some feedback to the students so that they can get a better sense of themselves if you can do that nicely, you know, to say, hey, you know, you might want to think about whether or not your abilities are in line. And I think too many teachers that I know will just avoid that. Mm. And I think helping the gifted student, you know, everybody say, ah, it's our responsibility to help, you know, gifted students really go as far as they can and maximize what students can do and to help students reach their full potential. Helping students get a fair assessment of their own abilities is very valuable and bringing students down from an over you know self-assessing themselves you know too high and bringing students up are equally important so i would just like to suggest to people who are listening that you might want to think about that because it will help the student over time in their career and in their life to be able to see hey this is really who i am i'm not right and of course what is it um 
um, every in almost all surveys of people, eighty percent of people describe themselves as excellent and above average <laughs> drivers. It's like what's what's that podcast from the US? Right, 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 right. 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 I was thinking about average, not Winnebago. Yeah. It's uh, somewhere it's there, um, Minnesota. Um, Garrison Kill Kill. What's his name? Right, Garrison Keeler. Garrison Keeler, and what's his town? His, his, Something Minnesota, right? Right where he says where everyone is above average. That's right. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, just keep As, that in especially mind. salient uh, when considering something that we've talked about on the podcast about students' uh, reactions, Japanese students and non-Japanese students. I guess they were American. Uh, response to positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Yes, we've talked it's, about that. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's maybe taking them down a notch would have more of a benefit than we would, that you and I would order or any other Western right. teacher um, might think. Cause it's like, that actually is a good motivator. It's like knocking, where it was like, oh, you know, you're demoralizing them. It's like, no, 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 they respond well to being put down. <laughs> it's like, well, go ahead, <laughs> take out that stick. Yeah. Actually, as a as a teacher in in Japan, that when I do scold students, it just you know I'm, I just lose a little bit of my self control. I'm not going off the deep end, and I'm not yelling at them. But when I turn to them and say, "Excuse me, but you know, don't you think your behavior is just not quite acceptable?" Or you know, you can't come to class like this, or you can't do these things. And I think, oh, afterwards, I think, oh, the students are probably upset and everything else. And then you see the student outside, and they're really happy that you scolded yeah. them because they think you care. <laughs> yeah, what's all? Yeah, oh. there you go. It's so different. <laughs> it's so different from. And even after all these years, I'm still surprised by that. Mm -hmm. Okay, but we want to wrap this up. Let's yep. get to the needs assessment yes. part and how. What can teachers do to identify those students, Tony? Got me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> nice. I mean, just. And there's no there's no magic technique. It's just you really got to just go in there with your eyes open and try to just observe everything that you can. It's like again their interaction with other students. So listen to what you can, whether it's English or in Japanese. Watch their reactions to you know what you say, whether it's you know a set of instructions, whether it's a joke, whether it's you know, you say, okay, class is over in, in a different way. And like, which, who are the students who close their books? <laughs> it's like, okay, got you. So the other ones are like waiting for the next sentence. Like, no, dudes, it's over. <laughs> it's gone. It's come on. It's time to go home. Um, it's, it's a bunch of all of that. It's, uh, there's no one thing. It's just this odd set of observational skills that you grow over time. You just got to keep your eyes open. Yes. And what's, yes, yes, keep your eyes open. And a, one thing that I do when I'm able, sometimes because I'm waiting between classes in the same classroom, and this is a real good use, is I'll just look and see who's on their phones and who's reading a book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll walk over and say, oh, what are you reading? What class is it for? And a lot of times you'll get, oh, I'm reading this novel. Uh, was it for class? No, I re really enjoy this author. And I'll get into a discussion with the student. Or I'll look at some student who's on their phone and say, oh, what are you looking at? If I can obviously see they're not lining or texting to their mm -hmm. friends, but they're actually looking at a website. Because sometimes you'll find out, you yeah. know, like one student's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a, an article about um, artificial intelligence. Oh, okay, that's kind of better. Mark this student <laughs> as being someone who might be um, more in need of um, some independent study options or something, but use the time between classes. That's when you'll see students because you know that's when you see students reading books. Right, they're outside their role. Yeah, exactly. The bell and hasn't have, rung, yeah. and they won't be offended if you talk to them most right. of the time. Or if they are, they will not indicate to you that they're offended. <laughs> so I think that's one tool for needs assessment. I so the last year I've been trying to get to class early or earlier than usual, and sitting there and waiting for the bell to ring and just observing what the students do. Do they talk to other students? Are they reading? You know, are they writing, for example? It's been helpful. Any other things a teacher can do? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do what you do. I mean, at lunch, I'm in the classroom, and before I go to class early, just because I prefer being with my students than I do with my colleagues. But... um. How dare you? Hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine uh, that. <laughs> imagine a teacher <laughs> likes the students. Um, no, I don't know. Um, I don't have anything specific to just, just, you know, if you, you know, observe and care, uh, and just do your best. That's, there's, I don't have any tips. I don't have anything solid. Okay. Let's end on that note. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> well, we don't know. And then, yeah, that's, that's it. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, needs assessment, really, really big. And uh, if it's one practical thing, just like um, don't shoot before you know where the target is. Uh, again, needs assessment. Um, before you start, you know, assume and start lecturing, whatever. It's like, make sure you know where you're, sh- what, who your audience is. Um, Perfection from going over or under a student's abilities. Um, it's a story I've told before. Uh, like I said, I, I teach at one exceptional school and exceptional students at an exceptional school. And uh, there was the first class that I had there. And of course, I was used to teaching elsewhere. And, you know, the first day of class, you explain, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And they say, are there any questions? And of course, there's never any questions because it's a Japanese classroom. Lo and behold, the hand goes up, and I go, "Oh, okay. Well, this this university is different." And uh, guy says, "His question." Oh yeah, this one. <laughs> Have you ever regretted becoming a teacher? <laughs> it's like, oh crap! I got to go back and redo the entire syllabus <laughs> before next week, because <laughs> right. this is a whole different piece <laughs> than I'm used to. I'm not. I wasn't ready for this. I'm, I'm thinking more like, I mean, it wasn't quite side by side, but it, it, was, it wasn't a bunch of, it's like, okay, all right, here we go. Right. Yeah. And I think if you can walk around the room when students are in groups to talk to them, you can get more of those questions. Cause that's unusual for a student to ask that kind of question on the first day. Oh, hell yeah. So create, <laughs> create opportunities to talk to students during class in small groups that are maybe not directed on the topic. Yes, yes. Okay. And by the way, I just um, realized that we should, since we did mention mind mapping and Tony Buzon, and uh, that he passed away, I think. Oh. In April. So there's an educator who had quite a large impact on how we people teach and how people learn. So I just wanted to mention that. So, okay. Thank you for that. I I didn't miss that entirely. Right. I didn't realize it until uh, I was just looking at something, and uh, that's a shame because that's an educator who really did have an. We, I guess, you would really say an outsized impact. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean affecting just not one subject, not one topic, and not one level of everything. Education, yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. A, bi- a, bi- right? a big dent in the universe. Yeah, or right? human, th- nice human universe. It. Yeah. yeah, it's a big dent in the human universe. So thank you, Mr. Buzan. Mm. Okay, so. Wrapping up, hmm. and as we mentioned at the beginning, if you have the time and the inclination and would like to leave a comment, that would be helpful for us in expanding our listenership and hopefully getting more people because it does have an effect on the algorithms that iTunes uses, or at least that's what I hear from the other podcasts that I listen to. So everybody knows where to find us, and I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. Two teachers talking, and... Um, I'm going to do some work on the weekend now, Tony. I'm just going to kick back. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm chained to this desk until Monday morning. (laughs) Oh, yes. You and me both. Okay. You be good. Be well. See you. Bye.